You're giving over being the mechanic of a relationship to someone who doesn't know anything about it, doesn't understand it, and doesn't care to. He hasn't achieved enough and he hasn't worked on himself in a way that will allow him to be good for someone else. Sick of sacrificing or settling in your romantic life? Welcome to Make Him Wonder with Coach Paula Groom, where women struggling in real relationships ask the expert. Unscripted, unfiltered, understandable coaching conversations to help passionate women succeed in love. Hi there, and welcome to Make Him Wonder. I'm your host, Coach Paula, a dating and relationship coach, licensed social worker, and author of the book, Why Won't He Commit? How a Man Decides to Make You the One. My guest today is Peggy, who is in a relationship with Tom. Peggy says that she is tired of, quote, pouring from an empty cup, end quote when it comes to Tom. She wants to know how to stop herself from being an emotional masochist by giving all her empathy to a man whom she feels hasn't earned it and doesn't deserve it. Very interesting. Welcome, Peggy. Hello, Paula. Nice to have you. you. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really good. I'm very excited. Great. That's good because this is a very interesting topic that a lot of women struggle with, feeling that they give, 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 and not maybe getting it back. I want to really dive into your story. For example, how old are you? How old is Tom? What's your situation? How long have you been together? All of it. Okay. So I am 42. And Thomas, 44, we've technically, it's a little bit of a weird situation, technically we've known each other since high school. I dated his cousin a long time ago, then we lost contact, um, and uh, we met up just to catch up and to see how things are going, because I have a daughter um, that that I had with his cousin. Um they're not biologically related through marriage, but um, and we just had a great time and kind of hit it off. He, after our initial meeting, asked me on a date, what we called a real date, um, and we've been together off and on for almost four years, and we are currently living together in my home. We've tried it a couple times previously to that. It didn't work out, and this last time we moved in together, I want to say going maybe on a year and a half, two years, uh, and it was partially due to almost a necessity, I guess. It wasn't specific. I mean, it was a conscious decision, but it was, I feel, maybe rushed a little bit. Okay. So you were, you have a daughter. How old is she? Oh, she's 23. So uh-huh. she doesn't. Mm-hmm. She's okay. So she doesn't live with you? No, I have a total of four children, from, ah. uh, but only one lives with me because the other ones are older. I see. And how old is the one that lives with you? 
She's nine. She, and it's a she, and she's nine. Yes. Okay. And so you were in a relationship before that, uh, how were your relationships prior to this one? You say the cousin of uh, Tom, um, how is how is that vis-a-vis your children? I just want to get a real kind of background before we dive into what's going on right now. I understand. I'll be honest. Um, most of my, I've been married total of three times and two out of those three, I, it was to the same person. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I'll be honest. My relationships, as far as long term, uh, have been uh, what they call a hot mess. Uh, My oldest child uh, that I said was Tom's cousin. Uh, we were in high school together. I moved out of my home. I was a bit rebellious. I ended up being pregnant. Uh, that all obviously um, backfired. I was homeless for a while, and then my parents were gracious enough under specific you know, guidelines and rules to let me move back in. And um, when I had my daughter, and... He pretty much didn't always stop speaking before I even gave birth to her. Um, he came into the hospital, said he was going to be joining military, that he wanted to take care of her, um, and never really followed up. Mm. So uh, shortly after she was born, I want to say maybe she was about six months, I met another uh, gentleman. I don't know if I would call him gentleman, but... Um, at that point in time, I think I was very broken and very insecure and thought like, oh, my goodness, you know, I'm 19. I have a child who's ever going to want me. Uh, he was about seven years older than me, and he kind of uh, swept me off my feet. Not what would you what you would call in a healthy type of relationship, you know, like, um, but more really showed interest. He seemed like he didn't care the fact that I had a daughter. He really took to her and all those things. That ended up being also a very turbulent relationship. I got pregnant with our first child at 21. Mind you, none of those pregnancies were necessary due to negligence. I, I was on birth control, but somehow I feel it worked the opposite for me. Hmm. Um, um, he uh, he ended up being very physically, mentally, and emotionally abusive. Um, I I split up with him. I went back with him. I split up with him. I went back with him. We ended up, believe it or not, getting married, which I I really don't have any good explanation for it, except that um, people around me, besides my grandparents, always. Um, had failed marriages. So I think from the get-go, my initial thought was, I never want to get married. Children, I great, but I want to just be an aunt. I don't want my own children. And that since it kind of led in a different direction, my thought was, I'm going to make it work. I'm not going to be one of those people, you know, that jump back and forth. And so I believe that was kind of gullible thinking. So we ended up getting married. I had my son, and um, after that, I filed for uh, a divorce. I want to say maybe my son was a little bit over a year old. How long were you in that relationship altogether? Uh, Almost 10 years. 
Okay. And after the 10 years, then what happened? Um, then I decided that I am naturally, believe it or not, very forward, strong-willed person. Um, I decided I didn't want to deal with any of this junk. I was going to college and uh, taking care of my kids, working a couple of jobs, and I just went out and had fun. I was dating. I was promiscuous, and my thought on that was um, most, like your book kind of describes it as well, sex, you know, kind of what most men look for or the ones that are out in the market, specifically, you know, places like bars, pool holes, things like that. You're not going to, I don't believe, find a mate uh, or even dating websites. Um, so I never connected sex to love, which I feel is actually opposite of what most women feel. That is not me. I looked at sex as sex, fun is fun, love is love. Mm -hmm. So I pretty much just went out and recklessly, you know, had mm -hmm. fun, for the lack of a better word. From there, I met my next husband on a dating website. And that dating website is embarrassing as it is, but it's honest. Um, it was uh, straight up or just a hookup website, I guess. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't people that were looking for relationships. It was just people who were looking for casual encounters, you know, mm -hmm. or just whatever. Um, we started talking and over the Internet, and it was actually completely non-sexual. And then we exchanged phone numbers, and we talked for a while over the phone, and it was just fun, nice conversation, interesting things. Um, we finally decided to meet in person. My friends and I were going um, down for a weekend camping, and I invited him to come with. And honestly, I felt that would be the best bet because I didn't really know what to really think. <laughs> so I figured, hey, if he's interested, he's going to come with me. And then if nothing else, my friends are around. Um, and then you I got married at some point you got married. How long did that marriage last? Uh, that first marriage was very short-lived. Actually, we he, because he moved in with me as well at a different place I lived in, um, he proposed really fast after six months. Then he was kind of wishy-washy about marriage. That marriage lasted maybe like a year. Mm -hmm. And he filed for divorce. There was cheating. There were lies and things like that. Um, I moved out with me and all my children. Again, just went on uh, into putting time on myself, having fun, going out. And uh, slowly, he started contacting me off and on and kind of worked himself back into my life. Asked for me to come back. I moved back in with him. Um, at that point in time, I got pregnant with my nine-year-old. Uh, that all went to pieces. He became verbally, mentally, emotionally abusive. I got all my things together one day when he left work and moved us all back out, broke all contact with him. And I, can't, I don't really remember at this point in time, somehow he managed to get a hold of me little by little, you know, again, convincing and all the other things. 
uh, we got back together. We, at that point in time, we were going to church. Our pastor told us, hey, you're living in sin. You know, you guys either really need to get married or move out. Um, that made me sick to my stomach, I'll be honest. Um, and he said, well, so when are we getting married? And I was like a deer in headlights. And I said, well, I don't know. What do you think? Hoping he was going to say, well, you know, and he made a date. We got married shortly after. And then that marriage went on for about three years or so, which, again, was not a healthy marriage. He, he again, filed for a divorce. And um, once that marriage ended, I just really took the time to work on me who I am, what I actually want to do, what I feel comfortable with, you know, going on the little trips, relaxing with my friends. There wasn't, I went on a couple of dates. There wasn't any, you know, sexual things going on just to see. Um, I was very picky. And at a certain point in time, I even came to peace. At first it was like, oh my goodness, here I am again. I'm still in my, now I'm in my late thirties. Now I have four children. At that point in time, I also gained a lot of weight because of, I think, just all the emotional and stress and things of that nature. So I started going to the gym, you know, again, my health. And I was very content. I didn't feel lonely. I didn't feel abandoned. I didn't Mm. feel scared. I was just, for once, very content with who I was, where I was at, and didn't feel like I was really missing anything. And that's when I met Tom. (laughs) or rematch okay so Tom is who when you say rematch well because like that we've met each other when we were younger oh I see okay all right so he wasn't one of these guys that we've been talking about Tom wasn't one of these relationships okay so you met up with Tom your, your first husband's Cousin through marriage? No, actually, Tom was my oldest daughter's father. He was his cousin. So ah, my oldest okay. daughter, he was his cousin by marriage that I've known a little bit through high school. So we went out and had a drink and was just talking about things um, very relaxed. He opened up a lot more than I would expect anybody to open up. Um, even on a non-date, I guess. Um, he told me about the, his, his marriage, his children, things like that, all the ups and downs he's been through. And it felt like, based on our experiences, although they were very different, they were, I guess, had the same common denominator of, if I'm going to be with someone, I want to be the only one and no one. But most of the first meeting just entailed laughing and catching up and things like that. And then when we were going home, he gave me, he actually bought me a rose <laughs> while we were, and then he gave me a hug. So it was very platonic. And then he asked if I would think it was weird if he would ask me to actually go on a date with him. I said, you know, with not, you know, it's okay. There's, let's try it. From there, we texted back and forth. He took me out on a date, and then we started spending good amounts of time together. Um, he, Because of the different things that he went through 
prior to me, he was very, um, I guess, almost kind of like a sh- shut down or unsure of himself and uh, just hermit-like. And I am the opposite. I'm very outgoing. I am not the person that I need to, as far as uh, having fun, make a very detailed plan. I'm like, let's go, let's do, let's so on, so on, so on. Um, so I kind of got him out of it. Um, at that point in time, I was mainly the one that was paying for everything and, and doing things of that nature because it, he worked construction and then he moved in and out of state prior to that. Um, just, I told him, hey, you know what it is, what it is. I understand I've been laid off. I've been down, you know, just keep on pushing, keep on working. He is intelligent in the sense of he's able to learn. He's very interesting person. He's in in a lot of technology. So I was interested and, you know, we were talking about different things and his interests and, and things like that. He, I didn't realize that the place he lived in was his, who I thought was his last relationship, um, um, last girlfriend um, that he had a child with. The way he explained or lack of explaining on his part, um, how I understood it is that he met somebody, she got pregnant really fast. Um, he wanted to be with her. They were supposed to move out of state. There was, uh, this woman had two children from previous relationship. It was back and forth. She didn't follow through. Then she kept on telling him how he needs to do this, that, and the other if he wants to be with her. So pretty much she kind of abandoned him. The reason he was leaving where he was leaving is because um, his, you know, ex-girlfriend that, that was supposed to move in there initially with her children. So it wasn't exactly forthcoming. It was a little wishy-washy now that I look back at it. Um, we didn't call when we first started seeing each other, we didn't call it anything. We didn't call it as dating. We didn't call it as boyfriend, girlfriend, because I know my friends would ask. And we were like, well, we're just going out, you know, going out, having fun or whatever. They're like, well, do you go on dates? And we're like, yeah. And they're like, well, wouldn't it be dating? And we're like, eh. I didn't want to push the issue. I didn't see the, the reason to. And I felt like he was apprehensive but he always complimented me he was always uh at first he would like invite me over and cook me dinner when i got off work just very attentive something that i haven't really experienced uh prior to that as much and at what point uh how long were you together when he moved in um the first time we were together probably for a year Issue was that he lied to me. He was still in contact with his ex-girlfriend and uh, in an appropriate way. There were still videos and pictures sent back and okay. forth. Okay, I'm going to stop you. I just want you to answer the question, okay, and then we'll go okay. from there. Uh, about a year. Okay. And so now it's four, three years later you've been living together or there's been breakups and what, what's been happening in those last three years? In, What's been uh, happening in the last years? In the last three years, he moved in on three different occasions and moved out. Yes, we had 
what you would call breakups. Uh, the longest one was probably a month. Um, and every time I would just, I guess, have enough and be like, okay, I'm done, we're done. I would just cut everything off and shut him out. And he goes through episodes where at first it's like, oh, you're a jerk, you this, that, the other, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes into the mode of, I love you, I miss you, I can't live without you, I messed up, I know, I know, I know, I know, chill. You know, like I will block him, he will get a text app, send it that way, I will block him on that. But I feel like he, if I cut him off cold, he persists on uh, contacting me. Hmm. Like, because either he needs closure or he needs to suck me back in. And eventually, every time I would, I guess, go back to him. So what's your situation now? Uh, at this point in time, we're living together in my home. Mm-hmm. Uh, my youngest daughter is here, and the relationship has become uh, quite strained, mm-hmm. partially due to me being laid off. Mm-hmm. So he is a little bit more responsible. Uh, plus, I believe. Um, Maybe it's becoming a lot more stagnant because of financial strain and other things in life. And it went from him talking about getting married, getting married, to now just like, well, we have to see about this, or we have to see about that. Um, I, I just feel frustrated in the sense of if he is committed or not, or if he's here because he feels obligated because I helped him in the past, I suggested, you know, splitting up and him, he can date other people, be with other people, and he always rejects that idea, although he has technically cheated. Some um, very, I, I don't know if I'm confused, but I'm just tired. I'm, I'm tired. Well, um, after that story, so am I. <laughs> oh, I bet. <laughs> yes. And what I mean by that is that um, it's painful to, to hear. Uh-huh. When you talk about it, you say tired. Now that you've recounted that story, how do you feel other than tired? Honestly, I've recounted that story in my head a million times over looking at it from different points of view. And I feel at times angry, Mm -hmm. uh, at times completely gullible, frustrated, heartbroken, desperate. I guess just a range of emotions depending Mm -hmm. on... Mm-hmm. how, you know, how I perceive it or what I remember. I'm glad you feel all those emotions because that connects you to what has happened. In other words, if we kind of can't look at what happened and maybe how that happened or a little bit of the why, we can't move mm-hmm. forward from it. Correct? 
Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're in another relationship that is like what you've had. Yes, this one feels like it's a collection to a certain extent of all my relationships. Mm-hmm. What, what, but this relationship has the higher highs, I guess, and we can oddly relate to each other better, which mm-hmm. makes no sense. <laughs> uh, actually, it, it, it does because not everything is all good or all bad. In other words, if a relationship has nothing but bad in it, we won't be in it. What keeps us in a relationship that is not what we'd like it to be or to its fullest extent or to make us the happiest or even the healthiest, there is some good. Mm-hmm. So the highs and the good and the normal resistance to change that we have, that everyone has. In other words, Correct. the devil you know is better to some extent than what you don't know. Or the devil you have is sometimes uh, feels comfortable and you stay with the devil you have rather than go with the devil that is unknown, right? Or just nothing. Yeah, and you know, I've actually considered all those things in my mind, and um, I'm baffled by the fact that I don't fear the devil. I don't know because the way all my other relationships have ended, um, I'm more baffled by the fact that when I am completely in my mind and my sense and I feel like in my heart ready to say, okay, not even let go, but like, okay, I'm done. Like when I'm done, I'm done and Mm -hmm. I am done. And I feel like he's just throwing, you know, sticks in my bicycle wheels because every time I get to that point, it's like he knows exactly what to do, say, or he brings something up that I thought he did never paid attention to. Mm -hmm. And I guess draws me really can't say that he draws me back in because I should know better, but I am a willing, you know, fool. They Mm. say jump, I say how high, or off the cliff, I say, okay. Mm -hmm. So, so what you said about um, not fearing the unknown doesn't, doesn't override the feelings of wanting to make this something possibly that he gives you glimpses glimpses when he needs to do that Mm -hmm. right of of seeing correct yeah and after four years you know quite a bit about this man, about your relationship, about all of it, about his way of behaving that when you say, I'm done, he gets scared. And then he pulls out what he, need, what he feels 
uh, will pull you back in. Correct. And actually what he knows will pull you back in from history. Correct. And yes. here's the, uh, and one of the things is that your word doesn't mean much to him. He knows you don't live by it. So when you say, I'm done, it's over, he knows he can push you off of that stance. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm also baffled because, especially after listening to your podcast and reading, you know, some of the book at this point in time, I feel like overall, when I approach things, I'm a lot more like a man. My ex-husband used to tell me, you're like a dude. That is, those are his exact words. I'm very forward. I don't like wishy-washy. I don't like, you know, oh, but I think, and what do you feel? And I was never that person. I was never very affectionate, which with this man, um, I, was, I wasn't like that at first, but he actually verbalized those things. So I said to myself, okay, well, obviously my approach didn't work before. I will try it his way. And then now I feel like it all backfired maybe. I don't it, know if it, it makes does. any sense. Yes, it does because while a man will consume a woman who gives off a masculine energy in that way, they will not be serious forever buyers of it. So when he tells yes, so when he tells me that we're so alike in the sense how strong we are, how we can conquer challenges and all. That's probably not actually a compliment, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Here's, it is, it is in a way, but here's the problem. Whenever we cater to a man's weaknesses, deficits, Show him the, in a sense, um, how we're more capable than they are. Mm-hmm. I should put it in the, the singular here. When you're showing him you're more capable than he is, and here's what I mean by that. From the moment you first met, he poured out to you, even before the first date, when you first met up, he poured out to you all the problems he had in his life. Correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. He used you probably as a sounding board for many of those things, or all of them, at some point. Yes. Okay. When that happens from the start, It's a very difficult or challenging thing to put a relationship on the right track. And here's why. He showed you and told you who he was from the get-go. All of those problems were who he was at the time. Mm -hmm. 
and you showed him that you were okay with it and embraced it. And here's how you did that. You didn't recognize it for what it was and that he wasn't ready and move on to the next person that was in a better place of being ready for a relationship. Okay. The next is that without him achieving anything with you, you had him move into your home. You showed him you don't need to do anything or be anything for me. I'm going to accept your weaknesses, and that's male energy. I'm going to accept those, and I'm going to embrace it, and I'm going to help you. Now, that may sound like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm lovely, I'm nice, I'm, I'm good, I saw the good in him. And we do that as women, right? We see the good, we want to help, all of it. So you did, and there's a beauty in that. The problem is it will always come back to bite you. Because a man, his real stance and really being a man is is not con- is not congruent with any of that. Um, So when we give to that degree and the man has not earned it, it is incongruent with who he really needs to be in order to sustain and not give you the behaviors he's giving you. When when I say sustain, he needs to feel like the man in the relationship. I, com- I completely understand that. We actually had those conversations, not in that you know specific context, mm-hmm. but when we first met, he was like, I've been trying to look for work. I can't even get a decent job. You know, my credit was ruined by his last divorce. I never want to own anything. I don't care about credit. Now, with all that being said, I didn't necessarily push him, but because, you know, us women, however, saw his potential, and in my mind, it didn't make any sense. So I encouraged and encouraged. He managed to uh, get a pretty decent job. He managed to get his credit score good. So all those things that, um, you know, that we kind of, he kind of hinted towards, you know, I have to do this, so I have to be stable with air. He accomplished. In the meantime, because of things that happened in my life, he was also able to support and help me mm-hmm. as well. Good. So what do you want with him now? Uh, honestly, I... We've had conversations, like I said, about marriage that was brought up by him, not me. Initially, when we met, I told him, I don't think I ever want to get married again. I'm not against committed relationships. I'm not against, you know, being with somebody forever. And he almost took offense to that, I think. Um, From there on, after he suggested marriage, at certain points in time, I was like, yeah, that would be great. That would, you know... um, 
I just want him to... Do I care about him? Do I love him? Yeah, there are things that drive me crazy that I have to still really figure out is it something that are those minor things that I can deal with forever or not? Um, questionable, depending. Um, I think I just need him to be honest with me. I don't care which, I mean, when I say I don't care which way it goes, it doesn't mean that I genuinely just don't care. I just want peace. So if he needs, if we need to be roommates, because let's say right now he cannot, you know, or doesn't feel it's best to move out and I need help, fine. If if he wants to just say forget it and give me a couple weeks notice and I'll figure out, figure out my own stuff, fine. If he wants to genuinely, without any wishy-washy, here I am, no, I'm not here, yes, I think I want this, no, I don't. Um, if he wants to commit and we can keep on supporting each other till we can get to our best place, and from there, see marriage or just live together, that's fine, too. I am at the point where peace, whichever way has to be accomplished, I want that. I hope that your last statement is true. It is. I hope so. Um, but I have to tell you, in listening to you, because I'm always honest. Because I can't help someone if I'm not honest, right? Correct. And I love the women that are um, they're able to come, able to come on the show and be as honest as you've been. That's wonderful. And we all come from a place of kidding ourselves to a certain degree. To one degree or another, we all do it. We strive, right, not to. Correct. <laughs> but right? but we, we do it. And yeah. I hear certain things come out of you, uh, like your... You've been told you're like a dude, that you have male kind of way of relating to things. And I have no doubt that that is quite true in a lot of areas. But there is one big area where that's not true because you are a woman. Absolutely. Right? In that area where it's not is that you relate and predicate your life via your emotions, not your decisions. In other words, there is is a big component here that you have allowed life to happen to you. When I say life, I certainly mean men, relationships, pregnancies, all manner of things, right? And I know you say, well, yes, I used birth control. It didn't work and so on and so but forth. But nevertheless, yes. Okay. But mm-hmm. all of it is is your story and your excuse to a great degree. Honestly, I don't look anymore at my bad judgments as an excuse. So I was willing participant. 
I still made those decisions. Right. So I don't have anybody to blame for it but myself, nor do I pity myself for that. Um, because I it hear is that what you it don't. is. <laughs> yes. I hear that you don't, and that's fantastic. But what I hear that is a little disturbing is that you're continuing it. You're continuing Correct. it in this relationship. Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And and that's you say you're tired, you you um we introduced you by saying that your words you're tired of pouring from an empty cup that yes. you want to know how to stop yourself from being an emotional masochist by giving all Correct. of you right to a man that mm-hmm. hasn't earned it Correct. yeah and he hasn't mm-hmm. and here's the thing he's not a bad man at all no, at all. He's a. There's part of him that's probably just a wonderful guy. He hasn't achieved enough, and he hasn't worked on himself in a way that will allow him to be good for someone else. I agree. Yeah. And when that, we that ex- was. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That that's why I suggested a few different times uh, on just splitting up. And uh, I'm sorry, I don't get it. Um, well, I suggested to him that we should just not be together, you know. And he's he at the end of the day, he comes back with there's nobody else out there that will ever he he knows his fault, whether his actions show it or not which they don't usually. Okay, um, but I'm going to stop you. It, I'm going to stop you, Peggy. Why are you suggesting to him, suggesting, you see how that isn't even, you can't even make a decision about that. Suggesting yeah. to him that we should do X instead of you making decisions for your life. And I'm not saying it should be that you're not with him. But if you make a decision to be with him, then you've got to become the mechanic of this relationship and actually do the work that it's going to require. You see? Uh, Now I do. I did not before, honestly. Okay. Yeah. Because this giving over your power all the time and just letting life and men happen to you will not get you anywhere. It's not just his decision. You don't suggest things to a man in terms of a relationship. And here's why. And for those of you who've heard it, you can just skip ahead because I have to I have to tell this to each woman that doesn't know it in order for her to get it. And I'm gonna tell you about that in a moment. Want to talk to Coach Paula and get answers to questions about your love life and relationship? Connect at CoachPaulaGrooms.com and find out if coaching may be right for you. So what I need to tell you, Peggy, is you really have to open your ears for this one and you're going to like it because it's an analogy that's going to help you get it. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) It is, no, seriously. 
With a real car, women like to look at it. Um, It's pretty, it's clean. We get in it. It feels good, the seat. We adjust it to where we want. We turn the key and it goes the distance. We put some gas in it. Do an oil change every once in a while. Basically, we just want it to run, run well, and not have any problems with it. With a real car, we don't need to understand it. We don't need to get under it and see how it works. We don't like to get under it and see how it works. We don't care to be talking about cars, understanding their engines, uh, looking at YouTube videos of cars, watching them race, any of it. For the most part, that's how women feel about cars. They're to be used for a purpose, and we don't need to understand it to any great degree. We certainly don't like talking about it, okay? Mm-hmm. And again, this is all in gradation. But for the most part, that's the deal. With a real yeah. car for a man, if they have the time, generally they like to know about cars. They like to understand them. They like to talk about them. They like to watch stuff about them. They really can get it and they can talk to their guy friends about cars and and go in a garage and hang around cars and tinker with them. They love it. So if we make the relationship here, the car. Okay. It's reversed. He wants it to just look good, be good, get in it, it feels good, and it goes the distance. He doesn't want to understand it. He doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't want to know the intricacies of it and be all involved in it, getting under the hood or getting under the car, getting all cold and greasy to learn about it. It necessitates, right, that we Mm -hmm. are the mechanics of the relationship. We understand them, know them, like to talk about them, get it. And we have to be the mechanic of a relationship or it will go off the road in the same way that a real car will go off the road if it's left to most women to fix, understand, and care about. Yeah, makes complete sense, actually. Yes. So what's happening is you're giving over being the mechanic of a relationship to someone who doesn't know anything about it, doesn't understand it, and doesn't care to. It would be like the two of you being on a deserted road and in the middle of the desert, and a car will not be coming along for a day, two days, three days, (laughs) and the car is broken down. Now, for most women, it would be he needs to fix the car, and he is generally going to be the one to get the car back running, correct? Correct. Yes. 
what's happening is metaphorically you too are on that dirt road and he is looking at you to fix the car and you're not doing it you are a hundred percent correct yeah and that you see if the two of you were in the real car on the road you want him to know you want to look to him and know that he is going to take care of it so that you don't die out there without water for three days right yes and here's the deal in your relationship with the two of you you don't in terms of the real real car in a way you don't know that he has really he hasn't shown you any real abilities he's shown you that he's all over the road with it and you have shown him that you are not the mechanic at all ouch but true <laughs> i think i was the mechanic originally and that's what really drew him to me i'll be honest because when we just talk and he brings up certain things um that's kind of the, the same analogy with both for that but here's what i'm going to offer you that when you say you're the mechanic the problem is that you are at every moment showing him what you're doing, telling him what you're doing, and telegraphing what you're doing. And that's not high-level mechanics. Uh-huh. And here's what I mean by that. Um, if you've ever taken your car in, it's had serious problems to a real mechanic. And he works on it. And then he comes out where you're sitting to tell you what's going on with it. And he starts talking about it. And he's telling you all the intricacies that you, words you don't know, all manner of stuff. And you, you shut down. Then you just say, well, bottom line me, Steve. What's it going to cost? What if I don't do it? Just tell me what to do, right? Now, this is where your guy is. The problem is telling him what to do doesn't work. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Because men don't relate via verbalization. They relate via our action that prompts them to take action and actually do and change. That makes complete sense, except I'm not sure which action to take. Do you keep on giving them the action that they asked you for, or do you give them the action of, I don't give us? It is so detailed and intricate, and I wish I could give you all of that. Mm-hmm. It's, it is very complex. It takes work in a systematic way to change because here's the deal. 
for you because of all that you've had in your life. Um, in terms of your childhood, I'm going to guess that things were difficult. So when my biological parents split up, I actually lived with my grandparents for a while, and they had a lot of mutual respect. Uh, and I think it's genuine. Uh, the love was based more on respect than what we perceive love, I guess. Um, when I went to live back with my mom and my adoptive father, um, their relationship was very turbulent. He was an excellent father and excellent provider, not a very good husband. But with that being said, my mom also is a difficult person. And did you have the caring, love, unconditional support, uh, healthy modeling that you needed to actually just naturally become the mechanic? No. Right. And so it manifested for you in rebelling, like you said, leaving home, being homeless, and seeking out the, the love, attention, and affection of men. Yeah. And how women can easily get that is so transparent. You know, it's sex. Because it feels like it's love in the moment, right? It's such intense attention, correct? It is, but for me, it was more about control. Does it make sense? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, I love that connection to control. Yes, uh-huh. Yeah, because if I initiated, I did it, and I left, then I had control over it. I didn't care, and nobody was going to be able to suck me in, draw me out, or yes. hurt me. Yes. Yep. And it it ends up uh, chunking away at our soul, right? Mm-hmm. It ends Correct. up hurting. To it, it, all manner of ways, it hurts us. Yes. Yeah. But yes, I. I love that you have that insight into it. All that, though, it feels like you're being the mechanic, but actually uh, you're going in there blind and actually messing up the inner workings of the car. Yeah, it's probably like trying to fix it with a duct tape. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't work for men on so many levels. So we get back to your question of what do I do? How do I fix this? It is really a step-by-step that when I'm working in a program with someone, it is going through, like we are right now, getting to the start. Mm -hmm. Because here's the deal. From this moment on, you need to start. And it is a big change that started with the first step. The first step is always the recognition, right? And you've been getting to that step and you've been kind of stuck in that step really for probably years now, meaning you recognize it. You recognize that something isn't copacetic. Something isn't right here. Here's the problem. We think that 
if we just change him, it it's the guy of the moment. If we can just find the right guy, it will get it. That I can explain and he'll get it. And then, right, but that's giving over um, the mechanics of a real car to a woman who doesn't, she's never going to get it. She doesn't care to get it. She's not going to know. She's not going to understand. She doesn't want to. And she doesn't have to. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because I feel like when I try to change myself, it never works. <sighs> It hasn't so far, okay, because you have to get to the right work that is really going to resonate with you. I don't know what you've done in the past. What kind of work do you mean? By nature, um, I feel that probably by nature I'm very loving and caring, and then it went to being like more plow like a pink because due to my bad decisions. And then I try to become more, um, I guess, compassionate or understanding. I'm not so dry, like black and white. Mm. Because from my understanding, women are more in the gray area. Um, they, they are. So I, here's, here's the situation is that you are doing things um, about yourself but until we understand how a man interprets the things mm-hmm. and how he will react to them, we're just shooting in the dark, trying things, and hoping that different will be better. Yeah. And Definitely. That's, that's what's been happening. And unfortunately, Starting the way you did, did did not set you up for great success with him or with any of the men because you weren't given the appropriate modeling of how to be. And most women were not. It doesn't come naturally necessarily to, to many, many women. And when we raise girls now with the idea of we are not only completely equal, which we are, but we're the same. That does women in. It is so not raising girls to succeed with men because we are equal, but we could not be more different. And if we very don't, true. what's that? That's a very true. And if we do not understand the differences and actually be one up on a man by understanding him and understanding men, we lose. So we not only have to teach our girls, you can do anything you want to do. You can be anything you want to be. You are completely equal to a man. But here's the the next part of it. You are also completely different. And I, as a woman, will teach you how to be with a man so that you succeed and you get love, attention, 
affection, support, everything that you deserve. Just by being a woman, you deserve that. That would be a huge relief, (laughs) right? Yes. And modeling this for your daughter and daughters is, if you have daughters, which you do, and anyone Mm -hmm. out there who does, it is so important so that she doesn't go off track. She's not looking for love in the wrong places, not thinking that by doing X, Y, Z, she will get it. And or what happened for you is needing some control over your life. There was something else at work and you found this easy way to get it. Yes. Yeah. And that can come from feeling like when we have a man in our life, father figure, who doesn't give us the love, attention, and unconditional uh, love and all of it that we really need as a child, we will then work it out or try to work it out with the men that come into our lives once we are sexual beings. No matter what. And that's when things can really go awry for us. So there would only be one way for you, and that is to start. And it's got to be the work that an overriding theme of the work is for you to start valuing who you are deep inside without all the stuff that has happened to you. And once you value it and make a firm decision to value it, and then act from those decisions showing any man that he can never push you off of those decisions vis-a-vis your emotions, that's when things will come together for you with a man who is of your equal, is at your equal level, so to speak both emotionally and financially and uh, in values, etc. I'm not hearing that this man can't be that. He might be able to be that. But this is going to take high-level mechanics on your part because when you do the things that change the way the car runs, the car runs. True. Yeah. And that's what is a necessity to happen. Any definitely makes yeah. No, sorry. No, definitely makes complete sense. So your question of how do you stop pouring from an empty cup is gotta get you centered. What's that? Yeah. 
I said take control? No. Myself? Well, it's more, it's not, it's not just taking control in, in, I think the wording I would change. Your cup really is, it's been banged around, it's been taken from for a long time because you've allowed that. So I guess what you mean by taking control is um, deciding that you're going to fill your own cup first? Is that what you mean? Correct. Yes. Okay. Right. If that's taking control, then yes. And then it's got to be controlling yourself in a way that you have heretofore have not. And that's difficult because that takes understanding your desire will be to always go back to what is known. And because you, you have love for this man, it's very difficult to do on your own. Because you can't see the forest for the trees. Yeah. And by telling him and expecting him to do something via verbalization will not work. You've done that. Doesn't change him. Correct. He wants to. He does hear it and he wants to, but it's like the car is sitting out in the garage and doesn't run. And he instead is telling you how to fix it. And you think, oh, yeah, I really want the car to run. So you try to get it. And you say to him, okay, I'll do that. Um, I think, you know, all right, I'll, try, I'll take the carburetor out. Then you go out to the real car. You can't even find the carburetor. Yeah, and definitely. <laughs> Good analogy. Yeah, that's what he's doing. He's hearing it, mm-hmm. and he wants to. Right? He wants to. But he doesn't have that ability to understand it and get it in that way. It is what you do with a man that allows him to feel what he needs to feel in order to make change. And then he through the feelings, can come to the decision that you're hoping that he comes to. And I'm not hearing that you can't make it work with this one, but it is going to take a lot of work and take a lot of high-level mechanics so that you two can be on the right path together and you know it will be a forever something that is worth that is worth your continuing to uh, service the car? Because maybe you don't even know that yet. I think that's what I kept on seeing, but, what you know, in in the future or whatever, projecting into the future, but not what I was seeing currently, yeah. Right. So we can talk about this off of the air, but Mm -hmm. for anyone, it... When you're at this place, it is very complex. We can bring it down to simple 
but it's got to be step by step. And one of the things that is so valuable in coaching is that it is step by step giving you incremental things to do and to try so that you see the outcome step by step. You can see the vision down the road where you're headed. And it's not a, an immediate, all encompassing, do something huge about it that is going to push the entire car off the road. Because that is, is too much too soon. It, it can't, if, I, if anybody says they can give you in a nutshell what to do and then you go off and do it on your own and it, it, it works, it can't. And I'll tell you why. Because we have to see his reaction at each step and then tweak it according to his reaction to it. You see? Yes. And we can't know what that is because there's another person involved. So I just thank you so much today, Peggy, for doing this. It's These kind of conversations are so helpful to other women who might be in a similar place in life. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you so much. I really appreciate all the insight. So I really value that kind of conversation because it, it can be difficult to hear the, the difficulties we have as women in relationships because our heart is going out at each time of, oh, Oh, that's so tough. That's hard, right? And when we know something about relationships and want to impart that, it it can be so painful to hear when someone doesn't know uh, what could have changed the trajectory of pain, so to speak. So... I'm happy to talk to to you about your situation. And what I love is that talking to each other vis-a-vis podcast like this, it helps so many other women. I think you probably heard Peggy say when she came on that she had been listening to my podcast. And that's how she found me and now her story might resonate with someone else so very happy to speak to you about your particular situation you're dating how is that going for you are you getting what it is that you desire and deserve and it's very important how things start in my online program i deal with the start of things right when a man sees even your picture because he's got to put you in the right category in the male mind to think relationship and the possibility of that Starting is seriously important. When we look at starting vis-a-vis Peggy's story, 
each one of her relationships started in a way that was not putting her in the right place in a man's mind. You've heard me talk about that. Madonna or Freud's Madonna whore. It's now been renamed to the Madonna whore dichotomy that's in the male brain. Listen to my other podcasts on it. Get more information on it. It is the male brain. And what happens is we confuse men because we are everything. We can be a Mother Mary, Madonna, in one moment and in our lives in so many ways. And we can also be the sex goddess that a man desires. Unfortunately, the male brain delineates in a way that does not work to our advantage. You heard me talk about that we have to know so that we put ourselves in the right category and we win with a man by knowing that we're his equal but knowing that we are different very different and that we can win vis-a-vis knowing that difference completely and owning that difference so if you need help in owning that difference because you like Peggy weren't given the modeling in childhood or in early adulthood that would allow you to know these things in a profound way that leads to success, be in touch with me. Go to realcoachingconversations.com if you'd like to speak to me on this podcast. You can also find me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, go to my website, coachpaulagrooms.com, and find more information there on my programs, the podcast, my book, anything you need to know, please do, because it's my honor to help women like Peggy today, and it will be my honor to help you. In the meantime, with every man in your life, Make sure you are making him wonder. Thank you for listening to Make Him Wonder. If you've benefited from today's conversation, please subscribe and share. Connect with Coach Paula at MakeHimWonder.com. There you can take several relationship evaluations, discover her books and other resources, and find out if one of her personalized coaching programs